So you can open your Bibles to Malachi chapter 3. Let's search for that just a little bit. Malachi chapter 3. Take your listening guide out of your worship folder. Make some notes today, some things I think that you'll want to remember as we go forward. We are seeking in these weeks together that we are looking at making change. We're seeking God to make significant change in our lives and how we manage the resources that he has given to us. So it's, it's really a stewardship concept that we're looking at in these weeks together, and we're looking at how we manage all of that for His glory and not our own. Remember week one, we talked about the principle. These are the big four ideas. Week one, less is more. Week two, stress is bad. Week three, today, giving is good. Week four, next week, tomorrow matters. Week one, less is more better is one handful with tranquility than two handfuls and chasing after the wind less is more stress is bad specifically we talked about financial stress and and scripture says it this way the borrower is slave to the lender anybody ever been there yes we have right we've been under it under that that oppression of debt in our culture, there, there's that lie out there that more is better and it doesn't matter how you go about getting it and just leverage everything. No, there is significant stress that comes with that and we find ourselves slave to the lender. Giving is good. Tomorrow matters. Today, giving is good. And there's a powerful verse in Acts chapter 20 that I want you to look at with me where we learn this teaching and this truth. It reads like this. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. And then this is a quote from Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Do we believe that? That's really my question for today. Do we really believe that it's more blessed to give than it is to receive? It's because we know it's, it's a blessing to receive, right? I mean, and it doesn't say that it's not a blessing to receive. It's still a blessing to receive. But it's interesting to me as I thought about the times where I got what I wanted in life. I couldn't come up with a single emotional consuming story to tell you. I mean, I couldn't say to you, for instance, today that, you know... I just remember the day when I went out and I bought my first flat screen TV and how joyous I was when I was, when I was carrying that TV. I mean, I've never felt closer to God in my life. <laughs> oh, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't say, you know, as I thought back. When I was 17, you know, I, I got my first Air Jordans. I have never felt more spiritual than than any time. In fact, I, I can't remember a time in my teenage years where I you know, I was more spiritually moved than when I got my Air Jordans. I I couldn't come up with that story, ladies. I don't know if, if you can come up with one. Maybe you know I got my first Coach purse and the angels rejoiced. Right? I I, I don't know. I it's tough to come up with that that story of of emotional consuming story. But you know what? I I, I can't come up with and I. Probably I'm a lot like you. I have those emotional giving stories. Those times when, when, you know, when you've prayed 
and you've prayed about what God would have you do and you see a circumstance and, and you pray about how God would have you get involved in that circumstance and what you need to give to that circumstance and you've given to that circumstance, whatever it is, in faith. And have you had those, those times in your life and your giving deeply impacts the life of someone else? Have you been there? It was that first time you said, yes, I'm going to tithe. You remember that? I remember the first time I said yes. And, and the joy that I felt from obedience. Maybe it was, maybe it was making a, a, a sacrificial gift. When you make a sacrifice so that you can meet a need in someone else's life, that, that God is a God of provision in your own life and in their life through you. Or something maybe you could have sold, but you gave it away. And there was somebody blown away by your generosity. Have you been there? Have you experienced that? How many of you know? Do you know that it's more blessed to give than it is to receive? I love what Paul teaches on the subject. He says this in 2 Corinthians. You will be enriched in every way. He's talking to believers like you and me. And he says, you will be enriched in every single way. When somebody says that to me, when I read that in Scripture, the first thing that comes to mind is why. Why would God enrich me? Why would God enrich you? In every way, he will enrich you so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. I mean, imagine. Somebody giving praise to God as a result of your giving, as a result of your generosity. That's why I would say to you today, giving is good. If we know that it's more blessed to give than it is to receive, then the question is the question I asked earlier that comes to the surface. Why don't we give more? We, we know the blessing that it is, and we can talk about those stories, and we probably all have those stories where someone's life was, was dramatically changed because we were able to give into it. Now, maybe we didn't do it all, but, but our part was a crucial part. Why don't we give more? As I thought about that, there were some reasons that, that kind of came to, to mind, and these really aren't in your listening guide. This is just extra. If you want to write it down in some of the extra space, then, then you feel free to do that. But I think about it, and I, and I think we, we probably don't give more because, because we don't think we have enough. I mean, you look at a need, and it's a huge need, and you can't really meet that need. And, and, and if you're like me, you say, well, I'd love, I'd love to, but, but I'm kind of struggling right now, and I really don't have what I, I need. How can I, how can I give to someone else? And your heart is in the right place. I think that's the person whose heart is in the right place, but, but they're kind of, they're consumed with their own inability to meet the need. And then I look at it and I know that some people don't give because, well, frankly, this is a message that has been abused, all right, within the church. And, and I, I'm, I'm not going to take shots at anybody, but we all know him, right? We, we know the guy in slicked back hair and fancy suit, Rolex on his arm, and is saying things like, if you just give in faith, right? God will do whatever you want him to do. And the abuse of the message results in skepticism in the believers. I get that. And then I think sometimes too many live with a scarcity mindset. And I think that that prevents us from giving more. Instead of an abundant mindset, we live in this scarcity mindset where, where we think that, you know, if I give, I'll have less. 
You ever think that? If, if I give, I, I won't have access to it anymore. If I give it to you, how do I have access to it? If I need it, so I probably won't, but, but I might. It's a scarcity mindset. It's a limited amount available to me, and, and I want to protect what I have. That's the scarcity mindset. But God has called us to an abundant mindset, an abundance in our thinking that I'm blessed. You ever, you ever before you give, do you just realize you're blessed? I mean, that's where giving comes from. I'm blessed. You're blessed. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Therefore, I'll be a blessing. That's the abundance mindset. We serve a generous God who provides for his people sometimes through his people. It's more blessed to give than receive. And when you give, then I think that you're going to discover something with me. This is what I've discovered, that whenever you give, you're always a blessing. And whenever you give, you'll always be blessed. You know, it doesn't necessarily mean that if I give $100, I'm going to give a get $1,000 back. You might, you know, that might happen to you. But what it does mean is that when I give, there is blessing. The blessing of fulfillment happens in our lives. Have you been there? That's better than $1,000. When, when I have that, that sense of joy, the joy that comes from, from having been a part of what God is doing in the life of another individual, there's joy. The, the sense of satisfaction that happens from a generous heart is indescribable. I can't tell you unless you're generous. You'll you'll never really experience it and you'll never know that satisfaction until you come to this place where you find the blessing God by being a blessing to others. You've been there in that person's life, in that circumstance. It's amazing to be able to say that I, I played a part in what God did there. That's what we're talking about. If you'll be a blessing, you will be blessed. That's what Scripture teaches. That's what Proverbs says in the Message Translation. And if you read the Message Translation, it's really just a devotional translation of the Bible. But it's a great, great one just to pick up for devotion time and read it. And it says this in 1124. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. Whenever you give, you will always be a blessing. Whenever you give, you are always blessed. That's why I say giving is good. So if that's true, if giving is good, then I want to get better at it. If giving is good, then I want us to get better at it, to grow in generosity, knowing I'm never more like my God than when I'm generous. You're never more like God than when you give. So, so let me show you three quick ways to grow in generosity. And the first one, where we start, is really biblical giving 101. All right, the very beginning of our generosity starts with the tithe. It's trusting God with the tithe. Ma'asar is the Hebrew word. Ma'asar means one-tenth. Ma'asar means first-tenth. It's the first one-tenth of the resources that we receive. Whatever it is that we receive. Scripture says one-tenth of the produce of the land, whether grain from the field or fruit from the tree, belongs to the Lord and must be set apart for him as holy. In other words, 
If I get $100 in my paycheck this week, the first $10 of that is not mine. The first $10 of that belongs to God. It belongs to the Lord, and I must return it to Him. That's what Scripture says. I must return it to Him in an act of worship. One of the reasons that we've put our our tithes and offerings at the end and we, and we don't plant, pass the plate in the middle of the singing is that I want you to be able to respond to God. I want it to be an act of worship and I want you to hear what's being said. I want you to sing and do worship and an act of response in our lives that God has moved in your heart and, and therefore you, you give in worship to Him. Now I know it sounds crazy to some people and I've been there, you know, a tenth. Really? I've had people say, what What do you mean a tenth? If I gave a tenth away, I wouldn't have money to be able to do what I need to do. It sounds crazy. Most people don't know that when they sign up with Jesus, they sign up for this, right? When I said, yes, I'll follow you, Jesus, I didn't know what I was getting myself into, did I? Did you? And, and we wonder sometimes, it sounds a little bit crazy. And, and then someone showed me Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. Where scripture says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And then look, this is the only place in scripture God ever says this. Test me in this, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out on you so much blessing, you won't have a place to put it. You won't even be able to stand it. Enough already, God. Anybody there? You have to turn back the blessings of God because you've got no room for it. Hear me. We can trust God in this one area. We can test God, I should say, in this one area. It's the only area. It's the only place that God gives us that privilege. So so I dare you. Test me, God says. See if I won't pour out blessings from heaven. Somebody, Somebody says, well... Well, why did God give us that permission? You ever thought about that? It's the only place he says you can test me. Why did he give us permission to test him in this one area of giving a tenth of all of our resources to him? Maybe it's because God knew it would freak you out. He, he knew you'd think it was crazy for him to ask for a tenth. How in the world am I going to do that? In order to do that, you know, I'm going to have to totally and completely rearrange my life around the things of God. That's kind of what I'm saying. Yeah, you need to rearrange your life around the things of God. Test him in this. He'll prove himself faithful to you in in ways you can't even imagine until you do. Until you try to out-generous a generous God. I dare you. Give it your best. Give it your best try. I mean, do, do you believe that God will bless? Well, you say, yes, pastor, we believe that. So make a commitment with me today. Will you do that? Will you make this commitment? Will you say, I will worship God with my first and my best? Because I know that that requires me to put my dependence on Him. 90% instead of 100%? What are you talking about? How am I going to survive? But I will worship God with my first and my best and trust Him to bless the rest. Here's what I believe. 
I believe that 90% with God's blessing is worth more than 100% unblessed. I, I think you'll find that to be true. We grow in our generosity if we trust God with that first fruit, that first tenth, that tithe, that it's already his. That's what scripture says. And we're commanded to trust him. Second, I would say to you, we'll grow in generosity when we plan to be generous. We, we plan to acquire, don't we? I mean, don't you shop the sales? Don't you clip coupons? Don't you look for that item that you want at the best possible price that you could get? I mean, when I bought a new car, I looked for months at cars. I studied everything that I could study on, on several different vehicles to look for the particular one that I knew I would want. And, and then when I found it, you know, I, I had to search to, to find the dealer that would actually give me the deal. And, and, and I went, when I went, and I bargained. And I, before, before I wrote that check, I got the very best deal I could get. What if we planned like that to give? We were that intentional with our giving. What if we planned like that to be generous? I know someone who's done a great job planning to be generous through the years. And I'm going to let her come and share with you. Beth, you come share with us. So most of you know that in 1997, I moved from Kansas in what would fit in my car, and I started, at that time, I just thought I was doing a year of campus ministry, and I was at a church in Clarkson, Washington, and in January, so I keep thinking it's January because my life's been kind of a whirlwind. Apparently, I keep being told it's now February, so a little over 19 years ago, in 1998, I got my end-of-year giving statement, like we, I think I got one. I haven't checked my email. But um, so Debbie and the finance team, they give us our giving statement, and it tells what we've given for the year, right? Well, in the last year and a half or so of my college life, prior to that, I had been really inconsistent tither. And so um, about the last year, year and a half or so of college, I took Pastor Dell's challenge, even though I didn't know him then, and I was like, okay, I'm going to give 10% all the time, not just some of the time or when I think about it. So I, I did that. But when I got my giving statement in 1998 for 1997, Dale, I was a little bit ashamed of myself because I had given what I thought, okay, this is my, I'm going to give to Lottie Moon, I'm going to give to Annie Armstrong, and I don't remember the totals. I'm pretty sure, though, it was something around $10 for Annie Armstrong, $25 for uh, Lottie Moon, and to my knowledge, I had not given any extra giving that year, and I didn't make a lot of money. I still don't make tons of money as a campus minister. I make more now than I did then, but I was like, Really? That's all I gave. That I was very disappointed and ashamed of that. So I, as I was praying about what then I'm supposed to do as a result of that, I felt like that I should try to give 1%. I was already giving 10% to the tithe to my church, so I'm going to give 1% just extra giving. And I call it in my budget, benevolence and missions. So 
Sometimes I will give to Mission Trip, or sometimes I'll give to, I will give to Annie Armstrong. I'll give to Lottie Moon. I'll give to somebody who has a need. So I took that challenge, and I did 1%. And what I discovered is even though I didn't make a lot of money, I gave a lot more than I did the year before. So the next year I decided, well, I'm going to do 2%. Now, I haven't doubled it every year, um, but uh, I have incrementally over time, and I'm a kind of math brain, so I've done incrementally. Uh, tenths of percentages at times. And I'm currently, this year I increased, so my goal is to give 7% of my income to missions and benevolence. So that means I'm giving 17%. So so I'm trusting that God will make the $83 on every $100 enough to cover my needs. And so far, God has not failed to do that. So over the years, I've done this now for 19 years, increasing incrementally the percentage of what I'm going to give. And over time, um, I've learned some things, but I, it wasn't really until Pastor Dell asked me to share my story that I really kind of thought about all the things that I've learned. So this has been a helpful exercise for me to show me what God has taught me in that. Um, so one of the things that I've learned is that when a need arises, I have something to give. Now, that might sound obvious to you. If I'm saying, okay, I'm going to give 1%, now I'm going to give 7% of my income uh, to benevolent. So I'm already going to tie 10%. I'm going to give this 7%. So it makes sense that I would have something to give. But I'm sure that you have heard, and maybe you've even said, oh, I really wish I could do something. Or I really wish I could help. Or I wish I could do more. But I just can't. Things are tight. And the reality is, in our own personal economy, things are always going to be tight. God's economy is different than ours, though. And so when we commit that we're going to do something and ask God what he wants us to do with that, there is, it's it's supernatural what he can do with that. And so what I've learned is, while it sounds obvious, I have something to give. So another thing I've learned is that God knows the needs of others and the part that he wants me to play. Pastor Dell was talking about how sometimes we have that scarcity mentality or we think, well, I just don't have enough. We see this big dollar sign. We see this big total of a need that somebody has or something that we want to give to, and there's no way that we could give all of that. And what happens is a lot of times I think then we just don't. But that's not for us to decide. If God has called us to be a giver, he knows what the need is. He sees the bigger picture. We only see a portion. And so sometimes we are, what Pastor Del said, we're just, we're at peace of the whole that what God wants to do, and we need to do our part. And so by, by our decision to plan to give, then we can, we can be the part that God wants us to be. I think also it keeps my, by, by planning to give, it keeps my antenna up. Um, kind of helps me just be ready to be perceptive of the needs around me. It keeps me, well, it helps me be more aware of the needs that people have. So I know, especially at the end of the year, I know that I'm going to give to Lottie Moon in December. I know in November I'm going to give to Thanksgiving baskets, except this year I gave to my family instead. But 
usually, I, that's what I do. We have a giving tree on campus. Our club gives um, to a, we don't know who it is, but we take a name off the tree. Actually, I usually do that. Um, and there's a person on campus who they have children, and so we get one of their cards and the needs that they have. And I've just decided over the years that, or I decided a long time ago, and it just happened every year, that my thing that I'm going to give is a pair of shoes. I'm not a parent, but I know that, and we usually choose a teenage boy. So for those of you that have had teenage boys at one time, shoes are expensive. And so um, I've just made that my thing. I'm going to buy a pair of shoes. And so over, I haven't really thought about this till Pastor Dot asked me to think about this. And as I was reflecting, I was like, huh. I think I've bought probably at least 14 pairs of shoes over the years. So in my thinking of, you know, that scarcity thinking, oh, I can't do a whole lot. Well, over time, I've bought 14 kids a pair of shoes at Christmas. That's kind of cool. Um, and so uh, we, we, yeah, there's something that we can do. So I know, I know that those are things that I'm going to do. I know I'm going to give at Easter time to, to Annie Armstrong. But in the meantime, there may be needs arise, and there may be students that I have go on a mission trip, and so I want to be able to help them. And so whatever money I've set aside to this point, that's what I'm going to give. But sometimes I'll get to the end of the month and realize, oh, I still have $50 left. God, what's this for? Who's this for? And sometimes it accumulates. This last year, I had no idea. Like, it was accumulating, especially in... Um, after Easter, I didn't give to anything. And I was like, God, what's this for? And in August, I knew it was for my parents. And so God had been preparing me for that. I just didn't know that, right? So there are times where I've walked in, I walked into Kmart when it used to be open one time, and there was a table, fill a stocking, fill a heart. And I was like, that's what I'm supposed to give to this month. And so, um, so it makes me more aware of needs. It makes me a better listener. When people have said to me something, and usually it's just in passing, and then I think, oh, that's, that's, that's what my money is for this month. That's what I'm supposed to, in part, contribute to this month. So it makes me more aware, and it kind of gives me an antenna up and helps me be perceptive of people's needs. And I also think that my giving demonstrates to others that I care about them and their needs. Now, I know it's true that we can care about people without giving them money, right? I can show you that I care about you, and I don't have to give you anything. But I think there's something that happens in us and happens to the people that we give to when we perceive their need and we have been prepared for it and we are able to meet that need. There's something that happens in us as the giver, and I know for sure that it happens to us when we're a receiver. I think um, I think that giving and being prepared to be a giver makes me a better receiver. It, when it comes to compliments, we're, we are definitely this way, or at least I think most of us are, where we will give a compliment. Most of us are complimentary people. We'll give a compliment. But when it comes to somebody giving one to us, what do we do? We find some excuse, some way to excuse it away. Um, 
and we don't receive it well. And I think it's the same way um, with, with receiving. There are times where maybe we, we have learned to give, but when it comes to our own, we're like, oh, no, I, I, can, I can do it on my own. Oh, I, I, I got this. But there is something that happens in us that God does in us, I think, when, when we are in a place of need. And we need him to encourage other people to meet that need. So for the last six months, um, there have been all kinds of people in all kinds of ways who have given to my need and to my family's need. Money for airplane tickets. Um, There was all kinds of food that showed up at my parents' house. Money given to me to pay for our travel to MD Anderson. All, All kinds of things like that during my dad's illness and and then when he passed away people just being so generous i could tell you lots of stories about that but one of the most emotional moments i had was 3 weeks ago this past friday when i walked into my apartment and there were flowers on the counter brownies on the counter grocery bags all in the corner of my dining room and Diet Dr. Pepper in my fridge. And it made me teary. It made me cry. Why is that? Because it showed me that you cared about me. It might not have been a big deal for you to pick up a box of macaroni and cheese or a jar of spaghetti sauce, but all of that collectively together communicated to me that my church family loves me and was willing to allow Jesus to meet my needs through you. There's something in us that happens when we are um, a recipient, and I think it makes us a better recipient when we have given. And I also think that God has taught me that my giving really isn't about money. But we make it about that. And in, in the things that Pastor Dell was saying, that we have this scarcity mentality, well, if I give my money, that I'm not going to have enough money for myself. We make giving all about money. But it can be anything. Our generosity can be, can be communicated in time. And through the money that I give, if I recognize that, that that's just a part of ways, a way that God can meet a need in somebody's life, then I, I think we've kind of started to get there. That it, my giving is not just about my money. Because sometimes we, we really, if we, if we dug a little deeper, if we saved a little more, we could do what it would take to meet a need that we have. But when God sees that we have that need and he meets it through somebody else, it's very meaningful. So, for, so I think I've maybe did my math wrong. I don't know. Maybe I've been back three weeks. I don't know, four weeks. I guess three. So, four weeks ago today, uh, my my parent, no, my, my dad was already in the hospital. So, my mom and sister and I were called to the hospital. And in the middle of the night. And so we were hungry. And I texted somebody who I've known for a long time who had been saying, please let me know anything you need, anything you need. And you've probably said that to people too. And they don't ever call you back or whatever. So I was like, well, 
we are hungry and the cafeteria is closed because it's the weekend and we don't want to leave. So I texted my friend Terry to see if she would bring us breakfast. And she said, oh, yeah, sure. So I told her that we wanted bacon and cheese biscuits from Brahms. If you've never been to Brahms, well, you're missing out. But anyway, their biscuits are amazing. So I said, if you would bring three of those, I'll pay you when you get here. So she gets there. She gives me the bag. I reach for my wallet. And she says, oh, no, no. She said, we have benevolence money set aside. Um, so this, that's what this is for. So don't worry about it. We've, we've got it. And I think... Like, I've been in those situations before where I've given to somebody and said, oh, no, no, don't worry, I've got it. You know, it's on me. But I think God wanted her to use that phrase to remind me that when I prepare to give, the benevolence that I want to show upon somebody else, that, that God will do that through me. And it was less than $10. I had $10 in my wallet. Um, but when she said, oh, no, no, no. We, we have benevolence money set aside. This is what this is for. It made me cry because I was moved that God would provide a simple need like that in our time when it was the most difficult thing that we were going through. So something so simple as biscuits from Brahms in that moment meant everything. Not because of the biscuit, not because of the money that it cost her but because it demonstrated her care and concern during our time when we really needed it. And that's what I want to continue to grow in as as I give, because sometimes I miss an opportunity. Well, we're not perfect. I'm definitely not perfect. So sometimes I miss an opportunity, but I want to continue to grow in my understanding of what it means to be used by Jesus to meet the needs of others. And so this is the way that I've chosen to do it. And whatever the way that is for you, I I challenge you to find that and to be uh, working at being generous because it is not innate in me. And probably very few of us is innate because our human nature is about ourselves. So I want to work at being generous and planning to do so. And I'm praying that all of us will We'll work at that. And Pastor Dell, I think, has a challenge for us in that. The reason I asked Beth to do this is because Beth, you know, she came out here as a missionary. She hasn't made a lot of money through the years. God has blessed and blessed through her. And it started with that biblical giving 101. Did you hear that? The tithe. And then from there, something else. And for her, it started with with just 1% more. What we're saying is, let's make a strategy to be more generous. Because if it's truly more blessed to give, then why not rearrange our lives so that we can, in fact, give and give more and, and be generous and be a bigger blessing to more people to experience even more of what God has to give to us. Generous people plan to do what's generous. And they stand firm in their generosity and nothing will move them off it. What that's saying and what I'm trying to get across to you is that, that you're, you're never going to be generous accidentally. 
We just don't accidentally stumble into generosity. It takes a plan. Find a way. That's all I'm saying. Make a plan. Find a way to give more. Be intentional about your generosity. Will you do that this year? Will you experiment this year? Maybe just experiment with $10 this year. Just when you, when you get your paycheck and you write your tithe check, then, then take an extra $10 and set it aside, put it in a jar, put it in an envelope, in, in your purse, in your pocket, whatever it is, and just experiment with an extra $10 to give to somebody somewhere for something. Just have that ready with a plan. Maybe it's $20. Maybe it's 1% like Beth did, and you're going to grow as, as you go forward. But start with $10 or $20 and give that when you see a need. And then, and then pray that God would give you the need because I think what the plan will do is it will cause you to pay attention so that when you, you see a need, you can meet a need because if we know we can't meet the need, we're not looking to meet a need, we don't see a need. God, give me the ears to hear when someone says to me and I hear the hurt and I hear the need and, and I can move instantly into doing what you have and set it aside to be a blessing. And then let me tell you, would you make a journal of that so that we can have more of these testimonies about what God has done with the little pieces that we're able to give to him? I'm not talking about the big pieces. I mean, I, God has a big plan and we're, we're a part of it. But aren't you blessed to be a part of it? And don't you want to be a part of it? Even you're just your little sliver of God's plan to be able to be generous enough that that gets accomplished in your lifetime, bless others. And so make a, make a journal of that, who you give to, what you give to, what God does through you and what God does to you as a result of your generosity. It's intentional. If you truly, truly believe it's more blessed to give than it is to receive, then let's give. Let's make a plan to give and watch what God will do through you. And watch what God will do to you. Because giving really is not, not so much about what we do. It's really about who we are. You are never more like your God than when you give. Trust God with the tithe. Find a way, even if it's just 10 bucks, find a way to give just a little bit more. To meet a need when you see a need. And to bless be blessed because of it. Plan your generosity. And how do we grow in our generosity? Finally, I would say to you, we start being generous now. Don't wait. Just be a people that say, we're not going to wait. But, but pastor, didn't you say just a, a week ago that we really need to, to think about getting out of debt? Yes, and, and we are. But see, this is the supernatural part of what I'm talking about. The 90% really will be more, more valuable to you than 100% unblessed. It's a supernatural dynamic when God gets involved. We're not going to wait to make it all right and to make it all good financially and before we, we bless. We're going to be a blessing along the way. That's what Paul was saying to Philemon. When, when he said these, he wrote these words. He said, I'm, I'm praying that you will put into action the generosity that comes from your faith as you understand and experience all the good things we have in Christ Jesus. 
You see, our only responsibility, only reasonable response to the one who gave his son for us is to give our lives for him. When you think about it, what other response is appropriate to that? Everything is his anyway. God doesn't just only own the 10% that he says you will give to me in worship. He owns it all. And he he wants us to, to start being a blessing with that now. And I know it sounds crazy. I know some don't know how in the world you could ever accomplish that. To give that away. 17% away? How do you do that? But if we truly believe it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. We won't wait to bless, and we won't wait to be blessed. I mean, I just challenge you, let's give with irrational generosity to God. I think best crazy. With irrational generosity, then God can pour into your life His indescribable blessings and through your life to others. Because we know, don't we, that when we give... We will be blessed. And and we know, don't we, that when we give, we'll be a blessing. And we believe, don't we, that it truly is more blessed to give than it is to receive. So why would we wait? Don't wait to be blessed by God. We trust God with our first and our best, believing that he will bless the rest. We plan our generosity. Generosity is never accidental. We give with intentional generosity. And we will start now. Because our only reasonable response is to live generously toward others. Just like God lives toward you. I mean, what generosity, huh? A God who made a plan before the foundation of the world was even conceived. A plan that included you and me to be here right now today. A a plan to provide for salvation, a plan to send his one and only son, Jesus. For God so loved the world he gave. He planned his generosity and he gave to provide salvation for all mankind and for whosoever will believe. Trust in him. It's our only reasonable response.